Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined by Solomon Ashams in South Africa and by Stuart Weir in the UK. And on this week's show, we join in the celebrations with the two African teams that have qualified for the women's football tournament at the 2016 Rio Olympics. That's South Africa and Zimbabwe, who completed an amazing journey to Rio here in Harare. We played against a, a team which is far, far much uh, experienced than us. They've been in the FIFA World Cup while our players really uh, are in an amateur league, so to say. Also, Cameroon's Vincent Abubakar makes it into the UEFA Champions League Team of the Week after a fine display for Porto. And Wilfred Bonny gets two goals for Manchester City. And football was cancelled in Zambia last weekend as President Edgar Lungu called for a national day of prayer. We find out more. Everywhere in the world, when you tend not to move in the direction that you need, the, the, the best place to go is to God. Well, that's all coming up on the show, and uh, let's start with the FIFA Ballon d'Or, the World Player of the Year award. And again, there's only one African on the 23-man shortlist. That's Ivory Coast and Manchester City's Yaya Toure. And it was exactly the same situation last year, too. Lionel Messi and Cristiano Ronaldo are among the leading contenders, while Toure is highly unlikely to make it into the top three. The one and only African ever to win the World Player of the Year award was Liberia's George Weah back in 1995. And Solomon, it looks like really the quality of top African players is lacking right now, isn't it? Yes, Steve, I really feel the quality of our top African players is lacking because quality is what created the World Player of the Year winner. And African players we've seen over the years, uh, you know, had shown great quality. Players like Kanu Wanko, Finidi George, we have uh, Roger Mila, Samuel Eto, we have uh, Kolo Tore, Didier Drogba, Michael Essien. Quite a lot of them have really shown that African players are, are, you know, quality players and they've gone around the world and really showcased that. But what's been happening lately has really shown that, you know, the quality of uh, African players is really dropping. You know, uh, African players need to perform in their biggest platforms. Uh, you know, in the World Cup, we need to see more African players doing better. Uh, you know, the Africa Cup of Nations uh, at top club sites. And we need to see African players uh, playing for uh, top club sites. You know, uh, we, need, we used to see them play in for uh, you know Chelsea, Arsenal, uh, Barcelona, Real Madrid, but lately it's just been uh, different. We've seen a lot of African players like Asamoah Jang uh, moving to the Chinese league, or uh, Emmanuel Emenike moving to the league in the United Arab Emirates, and they're moving strictly for me, not just for football and reasons, but for financial reasons. It's okay to do that, but once you get players moving from uh, top leagues like in the English Premier League to some of these up and coming league then it, it basically you know put them in the dark and there's just no way they're going to be able to to uh, to win or get some sort of recognition for you to be able to compete and win the world player of the year you need to compete you need to to play for really top teams for you to go out there and really show who you are but a lot of african players are beginning to follow the money instead of following them you know quality teams and beginning uh, you know and, and do that and you could understand you could understand all that because a lot of them come from a very poverty stricken background and you only have uh, maybe 10 years 
years, uh, you know, in your footballing career to make best use of it and, and make some real great financial decisions just so you can secure your future and also future of your family and relatives and, and a lot of other people that, that you were taking care of. But we need to really go back and, and maybe relook at, at our football academies and, and our development structures and, and see how we can really improve it, how we can look at players and, and see how we can develop them and how do we really encourage other players uh, that are Africans playing around the world to to go out there and show quality. You know, as football fans, we want to see quality players and and we want to see another George Open where, you know, this is 20 years later. We want to see African players not just making the short list of 23 men, but we want to see them in the top three. Uh, And it's sad that in this situation this year, we only have one African player, Yaya Torre, uh, in the 23-man squad. Because winning the World Player of the Year for any African player would really, uh, you know, bring the spotlight on African football and and also up and coming uh, African players would get that kind of recognition uh, anywhere they go to. Well, some cause for concern. Now let's talk about women's football as there was a dramatic day last Sunday as South Africa and Zimbabwe took the two slots for the women's football tournament at the 2016 Rio Olympics. I witnessed Zimbabwe's extraordinary qualification here in Harare. It was the greatest moment in the history of Zimbabwean football as the mighty warriors of Zimbabwe beat Cameroon's indomitable Lionesses 1-0 here, making it 2-2 on aggregate with Zimbabwe winning on away goals. Well, Cameroon had beaten Ecuador and Switzerland at the Women's World Cup this year, reaching the second round. They were runners-up at the All-Africa Games recently. Most of the team is based in Europe and they're a very physical side, but they lacked sparkle in this game. Despite conceding early, they only needed one goal to qualify, but they just couldn't get it. One of my colleagues doing radio commentary on the game cried on air when the final whistle went as it was a phenomenal achievement and it was so, so nail-biting. Here's the Zimbabwe captain, Felistus Muzongondi. It's a great achievement for us. I'm so happy I can't even explain how I'm feeling right now. This is our first time in history to beat Cameroon. We are so much excited. We were expecting this because we were preparing very well in our preparations. Yeah, it was a tough game. There was so much intensity in it, so we have to put much pressure on them because they have so much physical fitness than us. Just say to ourselves, we have to put much concentration, much effort, so that we can have the best result. Well, Zimbabwe have been to the African Women's Championship before, but never could have expected this, coming against a backdrop of chaos. They were very, very fortunate not to be thrown out of the qualifiers in the previous round after failing to travel to Ivory Coast. Surprisingly, FIFA awarded the game, but not the entire tie to Ivory Coast, and they later withdrew from the tournament and the second leg was never played. FIFA then gave Zimbabwe the option of withdrawing from the final round against Cameroon and insisted on a government guarantee for finances if the tie was to go ahead. Well, government only came up with the money at the last minute. Zimbabwe only arrived in Cameroon in the early hours of the morning on the match day. Well, coach Shadrach Malawzi told me afterwards that their shock result came from the belief in his team. We played against a, a team which is far, far much uh, experienced than us. They've been in the FIFA World Cup while our players really uh, are in an amateur league, so to say. It's about making the girls believe in the philosophy. At the end of the day, if the girls believe in the philosophy, everything uh, works out very well. 
That's a Zimbabwe women's coach Shadrach Malawzi. In the other final round qualifier for the Olympics, South Africa won 1-0 away to Equatorial Guinea to win by the same scoreline on aggregate to make it to the Olympics for a second time, having played at the 2012 Games in London. Here's their captain, Amanda Tlamini. I think we just wanted it so much more. We really wanted it badly. And um, now we're sitting here and looking back and reflecting and saying we actually made it, we, we did it. The so-called big names of women's football in Africa are not there. The Olympic Games, Nigeria or Equatorial Guinea, Cameroon are not there. Now we have two Southern African teams, Zimbabwe for the very first time. How would this influence the growth and development of uh, women's football in Southern Africa and also in Africa? Um, I think it's purely just a competition. Um, in the Southern Hemisphere, we don't really trade uh, in the overseas countries, whereas in Cameroon, Nigeria and Ghana, they have good uh, quality players that um, try their played in, in the European countries, of which is good for them. So when they get into the national teams, there's more ammunition, there's more experience. So I think then... Within those years, what we have done in South Africa is really put out a strategy and a plan of saying we need to develop uh, women's football instead of going the, the shortcuts or um, trying to get things fixed up easily. We have brought someone in that will be able to develop and instill a culture in women's football, and that's what has been happening. We couldn't qualify for the World Cup, obviously, because we were still in the building uh, stages. We had the quality, but maybe we were not matured enough to the level of which um, it needed for us to qualify. And now... I feel that we were more ready than ever. And just the understanding of, of, of the tactical and, you know, the technical um, abilities has really improved enormously. And what a greater time now with the Olympics where we can put all of that into practice with higher pressure and quality competition. So I think with Zimbabwe as well, they have been off the scene for quite some time. And they've also, their women's structures have sent them to Germany for camps. And you can see that it is proving dividends. Um, and I think I'm, I'm, I'm really excited for them because they also deserve... That's the captain of Banyana Banyana, South Africa's women's team. So Solomon, South Africa and Zimbabwe qualifying for the women's football at the Olympics, but they won't find it easy, will they, when they get to Rio? Zimbabwe going to the Olympic Games and qualifying for any global football championship for the first time is really going to find it difficult. And so it's going to be a good platform for Zim to go out there and really get a lot of experience uh, and compete with, with other teams that, that, that are more professional. For South Africa, this is going to be second time around. Last time they competed at the Olympic Games with London 2012, uh, where they played three games and they lost two games and only got one draw against Japan. So only one point from that experience. A lot of the core uh, team um, players are still available, like Amanda Lamini, still available. And they have a new coach, a Dutch coach, who, who's really been performing so well. We've seen how much they, they've been supported. Both teams are going to be going to the Rio Olympic Games and competing against you know great footballing nations like the USA, Sweden, uh, North Korea, Japan who are more professional in their approach, I will still see it as just a part of the growth process of women's football in Africa. Well, it's been a week of celebration here in Zimbabwe with that qualification, but it will be a difficult tournament to do well in. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And we have a brand new website. It's planetsportfootballafrica.com. And it's been designed specifically for smartphones. You can listen to each week's current show there and find out more about the team and see pictures of us there, myself, Solomon and Stuart. 
Also, you can follow us on Twitter. The address is at Planet Sport FA. You can keep in touch with news about the programme there and African football news. The Twitter handle at Planet Sport FA. Still to come, Nigeria's Victor Moses finding his form in the English Premier League. Now he's at West Ham. He's getting in the team and he's a player that I rate and I think if he gets to continue playing, uh, he can make a real impact. Well, to Facebook and WhatsApp now. And last week we asked, how do you think Africa will do at the ongoing Under-17 World Cup in Chile? Can Nigeria win it again? What about the chances of South Africa, Guinea and Mali? Well, Nigeria were the first team to qualify for the second round after winning their first two games. And Kasim A. Oscar in the Gambia says Nigeria will do well. Parfait Mervoa in Yaoundé, Cameroon says it'll be another good time for Africa. Cherno Jallo in the Gambia says, I believe it will be a fantastic tournament for Africa, especially Nigeria, but the debutants Guinea need to adjust their game. Yeah, they're finding it tough there. Amadou Dumbuya in the Gambia says, I hope one of the African countries will get to the semi-finals or even the final. Clovis Futsop in Cameroon says, well, I'll just wait and see. Thierry Togolo Bumba in Cameroon says if those teams are well prepared, I think they will reach far. Abdu Chelsea Demfinio in the Gambia says Nigeria will defend the title. Bolong Baji says if Nigeria select the best and committed players, surely they will win. And Alessana Drame says the Nigerian under-17s can go far. They've been really impressive at youth level. Also, some comments on our interview last week with Bubakar Trawali, the Gambian playing in China. Alagi Damfa says, Bubakar Trawali is a young talent. I'd love to see him playing in the English Premier League. And Abrima Barrow, also in the Gambia, says he's really got talent. I hope he gets to play in top leagues. And uh, we heard from Sanyang Rakitic in the Gambia, says, I love the show. Thanks very much uh, for your support, uh, Sanyang. Uh, from Nigeria, Orji Chukubuike says, uh, enjoying the show also. Keep up the good work. Uh, Buba Turai, upcountry in the Gambia, another fan of the programme. And we heard from uh, Jaturu Jobate, says, uh, really a big supporter of Planet Sport Football Africa. And we've heard from Liberia. Marcus Doe in Monrovia says, thanks uh, for the informative highlights of uh, football events on the continent. Uh, Yancy Blamo, also in Monrovia, says, I enjoy listening to the show on Worship 101.7. And uh, Kenny Ivani in Sinoe County in Liberia has asked a couple of questions. Uh, says, can you give me the name of Ivory Coast's new coach? And also tell me which African country was the first to take part in the World Cup and in which year? Uh, well, Kenny, uh, for the Ivory Coast, Michel Dussouillet is the new coach. He's a Frenchman. He took over in July. He formerly coached Guinea and Benin. And the first African country to play at the World Cup was Egypt back in 1934. That was the second edition of the World Cup. There was a big gap after that until 1970 when Morocco played and then a DR Congo, or at that time known as Zaire, played in 1974. Well, thanks so much for those questions and for all of those comments and for your support of the programme. It is greatly appreciated. 
Well, this week on Facebook and WhatsApp,、uh, tell us why do you think there's only one African on the shortlist for the FIFA Ballon d'Or? It's Manchester City and Ivory Coast Yaya Toure there. The same situation last year; he was the only African on the shortlist as well. So, is the quality of top African players lacking right now? Are the top players playing in the wrong leagues, as Solomon suggests, or did the selectors overlook some talented African players? Tell us what you think on WhatsApp.、Uh, send us、uh, a message to. Plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. We'll go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa, and you're always welcome to send comments on any football matters that you like. Now, football is, of course, Africa's most popular game, but are some things more important than football? Well, Zambia's president Edgar Lungu thinks so, and he called for a national day of prayer in light of the economic problems facing the country. It took place last Sunday. The Zambian kwacha has dropped by 45 percent against the dollar this year, and the drop in global copper prices has hit the economy hard in Zambia. Also, there are severe power cuts as levels are low in Lake Kariba, which supplies electricity to Zambia and to Zimbabwe. Well, the national day of prayer took place last Sunday, and Zambia's domestic football fixtures were postponed, and many entertainment places were closed as the day of prayer, forgiveness, and reconciliation was held. The Football Association of Zambia, or FAS, agreed to the postponement of the games. Pastor Peter Makembo is the patron of the football fans' supporters, and also the overseer for the Hillside Ministry Church in Lusaka. He spoke to Kennedy Gondway and says that he feels that the president did the right thing. Everywhere in the world, when you tend not to move in the direction that you need, the the, the best place to go is to God. And when things are not moving well, God gives the answers. And when God gives the answers, He gives the answers through His people, through Him. As the Republican president, and through him as the, as as the ministers, and also any given concerned citizenry of the country, you will take that responsibility to say, how do we come out of what we are going through? The best decision to make is when you see danger ahead of you, you seek the face of God. It's only as human beings who sleeps. He's there every time. When you wake up, you sleep, you find him again. He's still waiting. For For you, so the request we do not stop to give the request to God. Out of the so many prayer requests that were made yesterday, one of the things that came out very clearly is people praying for the strength of the local currency, the kwacha. How do you think God can answer such a prayer? God moves into people. You must make sure that in your productivity, you need to fight with the outsiders who are also moving in those currencies. For you to be productive, then you see the dollar coming down. We can still go on and pray. It's like us in in football, Kenneth, where we 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 provoke God to say, "Please, we want to win." But the other side, it it, it also prays to the same God that you are you are doing. That's why for me, I don't pray in those lines because it, it is a game. It's a game of entertainment. It's a glory to God. God cannot take sides to say, "I want you to lose." I want you. I want you to win because we are all God's children. It's the same with the currency. If you become unproductive, you don't expect your your, your currency to to match with the dollar. Do you think it was right for the Football Association of Zambia to cancel all weekend games?、Uh, previously, we've had 
pronouncements by government that have not gone very well with the Football Association of Zambia. They've said you are interfering with our operations. But there it was, the president called for a day of national prayer and fasting. And the Football Association of Zambia responded by cancelling all weekend games. I commend them for that, for them to, uh, to accept, to float in, in what the president said, because the president is the patron of the Football Association of Zambia. And not only that, on the other side, it was a positive one because we were seeking the face of God because as fans, much of us were believers. So we wanted also to be fully participated into that day which was declared. Even the players themselves. You have seen Kennedy much of the time when the players before the game. They come together. They offer a prayer there. Win or lose after the game. Again, they, they, they are there. That has been my cry. So the players also, they do mingle with us in the churches. It would have been an infringement on the rights of the players because they were called, they knew to say there was a prayer day which was going to happen on that day. And for fans to have taken that direction, I commend them. That was a good direction which they did because all of us, we wanted to participate. That's why when, when, I, when I saw that one, we moved into Ndora, drummed up support, we didn't rest. From there, we came to the showground. Why? Was we wanted to, to seek the face of God. There are so many areas that God has to work on his people. When you humble yourself before him, him is always there, just waiting for you. Except that when, when you are talking, him he listens. But when he talks, you people, you, you, you don't listen. You harden yourselves. You pick guns. You pick this. You pick that. You pick that. You are not listening to his voice. His voice is saying, let us reconcile. Let us repent. It's not easy to forgive. Forgiveness is there. But it's not easy just to forgive, to say I've forgiven you. It takes the whole of you, your heart, your minds to say, for sure, I've forgiven you. Let's move together on behalf of the, the country that we are saving. Had fans said no, they are not going to accept that. They are going to face a problem. To ask for, from fans to say no, there's this national issue. What, what have you done about it? That's Pastor Peter Makembo, the patron of Zambia's Football Fan Supporters Group, talking about last weekend's National Day of Prayer in Zambia. Sort of shows Solomon that there are things more important than football in life. It just shows how much people prioritize prayer, how much people believe in prayer, how much people know that prayer changes things. Prayer can change a nation. Prayer and trusting in God, because that's what prayer is. And we all in our lives also face problems, either family problems, financial problems, or problems in society, problems in relationship. What do we do? How do we prioritize it? Where do we run to the, you know, the first time? We, we, we face problems in these areas we have to run to God and we have to go there to pray and it's great to see Zambia, the whole nation uh, and, and the football fans supporters uh, club also saying look it's time for us to pray so let's forget about football for a week. Let's put the football on the, uh, you know, on, on the back bench for a week. Let's go out there and, and, and pray on to God to intervene in the economic situation in Zambia. And Zambia is a nation that you know, prides itself as, as a godly nation. About 90 to 95% of Zambia is Christian. Prayer brings healing. Healing to a nation, healing to a community, uh, healing to an individual. And, and then we can all enjoy football, the entertainment of football, and the great goals that, that comes through the beautiful game of football.
Well, thanks very much for your thoughts there, Solomon. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, a Passion for Sport production. Let's talk about the English Premier League now and uh, go back to last weekend. Our European football expert Stuart Weir joins us on the line from the UK. And Wilfred Bonny, the Ivory Coast striker, got to two goals for Manchester City in their victory over Bournemouth. Well, you know, we have a saying, uh, it's an ill wind that blows nobody any good. And the injury to Sergio Aguera means that Wilfred Bonney uh, got to play 90 minutes and he scored two goals as Man City beat Bournemouth 5-1. So great to see Wilfred probably with a good chance of getting a run in the team now and showing uh, Manchester City that he, he can score goals. Interestingly, it was Raheem Sterling who scored the other three someone again who's probably getting more chance to go forward without Aguera in the team. We need also just to mention Kelechi Iganacho, the 19-year-old Nigerian in his first season at Manchester City, who came off the bench. And now this is the fifth time he's got off the bench for Man City. And I think for a 19-year-old, given the enormity of their squad, that's a phenomenal achievement. And of course, you may recall that he scored against Crystal Palace earlier this season. So things looking good for him, things looking good for Wilfred Bonney. And uh, it was such an easy game that poor old uh, Yaya Torrey only needed to uh, play 45 minutes. I guess they're probably resting him for more important and more difficult games coming up. So big win there for Manchester City and an eight-goal thriller as Newcastle got their first victory of the season, uh, beating Norwich 6-2. On the score sheet, but on the losing side there, was uh, the Congolese international Juma C. Mbokani of Norwich. Yeah, this was the proverbial game of two halves because it was 3-2 at half-time with Newcastle taking a 3-1 lead and then Bacani putting Norwich right back in the game. But it was then three goals to nil in the second half, so to speak, with, to be honest, a fairly unknown Dutchman, Jorginho Wijnaldum, scoring four goals. Now, he's in his first season at the club, having come from PSV, and it was just one of those days that wherever he went in the box, the ball came to him and he scored. Probably not such a good day for Sebastian Bassong of Cameroon, marshalling a defence that conceded six goals in the end. Now, as you say, Newcastle's first win of the season, and I'm afraid that despite that, I think that Newcastle and Norwich could both be fighting relegation for most of this season. And West Ham United are uh, proving to be uh, quite some revelation this season, Stuart, uh, moving up into fourth in the table now after an away win over Crystal Palace. Well, yes, that was an action-packed game at Sillers Park with three Africans in each team. You know, Palace had Yannick Bolasi, Bakri Sacco, Papa Suari, and West Ham with Victor Moses, Chico Kuwaiti and Diafra Sacco. Game was going quite well until Palace's Gale got a red card and then playing against 10 men, West Ham won it with two late goals. I would just like to mention Victor Moses. Played for Chelsea, played for Liverpool, didn't get very much game time. Now he's at West Ham, he's getting in the team and he's a player that I rate and I think if he gets to continue playing, uh, he can make a real impact. And great to see West Ham, who many people might have thought would have been in relegation trouble, are up there in the top four. And good season for Palace as well. 
Uh, Stuart, uh, we talked about Liverpool on the show a couple of weeks ago. Jurgen Klopp's uh, first game in charge of the Reds ended in a nil-nil draw away to Tottenham. Uh, what uh, can we learn from that? Well, he gave an amusing interview afterwards uh, when someone asked him, how long do you think it'll take you to put your stamp on the team? And he said, well, I don't know. It might be one match. It might be one month. It might be one year. But uh, he's a character. I think he'll bring a lot to the uh, to the Premiership. You know, he's he's had a horrible time with injuries to some of his players already. You know, Gomez, for example, and so that's a challenge for him. You know, as we said previously, I find it very strange that you allow Brendan Rodgers to spend the money he did in the close season, and then he's out after two months. So suddenly, Klopp comes in uh, with somebody else's uh, squad, really. The only African involved in that game was Clinton and G, uh, the Cameroon player who played in the last 10 minutes of the game. And this is his seventh appearance off the bench for Tottenham this year. And of course, he played the whole game for Cameroon against Nigeria earlier this month. So a new player at Tottenham and just beginning to find his way in, into the first team. Thanks a lot, Stuart. And Clinton G got a start for Tottenham in the Europa League on Thursday night. Lots of African players were in action there, and the star was Gabon striker Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, who scored a hat-trick for Borussia Dortmund as they won 3-1 away to Kabbalah of Azerbaijan. And Aubameyang has 17 goals in 16 appearances in all competitions this season. It was another gripping week of action in the UEFA Champions League and Cameroon striker Vincent Abubakar is in the competition's team of the week. Abubakar scored for Porto on Tuesday in their 2-0 win at home to Maccabi Tel Aviv. Another African scoring in the Champions League, Seydou Dumbia of Ivory Coast, scoring for CSKA Moscow in their 1-1 draw against Manchester United. Well, that's it for the show for this week. But on WhatsApp and Facebook, tell us why you think there's only one African player on the FIFA Ballon d'Or shortlist. As was the case last year, it's only Yaya Toure on the 23-man shortlist. So is the quality of top African players lacking right now? Send us a WhatsApp to plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. That's plus four four seven nine double five two three two seven eight zero. Or go to our Facebook page, Planet Sport Football Africa. From me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Solomon Ashams in South Africa, and Stuart Weir in the UK. Thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.